0: Benfica Nation, welcome to another episode of Mr. Benfica, I'm your host as always, the Mr. Mike Agostinho, this is episode 163, and we are recapping Benfica's big, massive win this past weekend at Porto Mones, Porto B, whatever you want to call them, Porto Mones, in the beautiful city of Portimo in the Algarve, and um, we're going to recap that. I know it's not against a massive opponent, but it was a massive result in respect to the title chase, of course. And I've got a couple of talking points to go over as well about this game um, before we even break down the match. A few things I've taken away from it. Plus, there's some some news in um, in the Portuguese league that I, I want to talk about. I'm sure you and you can probably guess that if it's about the Portuguese league and I'm the one talking about it, it's probably going to be critical. And it is, as you can expect. But why am I critical? I've been asked, you know, why I'm so critical of this league. Well, I'm critical of this league because it's poorly run. I'm critical of this league because it's a third world league. It, it is It is just an, a league that continues to to victimize itself or to, to act like a victim, to make excuses rather than coming up with solutions to very real problems. And uh, we had quite a few of those. We have quite a few of those, I should say, going on right now. I'll get to that in just a minute. But I wanted to start off on on this note. Okay, So I watched this match against Mones, uh live in English like I usually do on Goal TV. And I listen to my friend Nino Torres on the call for Gold TV. Um, and then I record it either on BTV or on RTP when it's on. Okay, uh, So the home games are obviously played on BTV. I record all those. And I will, I usually go back and watch them in Portuguese as well. Uh, and when it is on RTP, uh, as this one was, I do uh, record it. And so today, in prep for this uh, podcast, because or yesterday, I should say this was yesterday. I um I rewatched the match because again it is later in the week and I just want to refresh my memory on something. Let me tell you. Uh the performance is even more dominant the second time you watch it. But moments into the game moments into it on the call here on RTP I hear this. Now I'm going to play it for you. I don't really think this needs a translation. I can translate it after, but uh you don't need to understand Portuguese. You're going to understand something here at the end of this H- have a
1: listen you
0: heard that right it needs no no translation but he said João neves also known as john snow I came up with that name. I have to say, I, I don't remember anybody saying that before I did on this podcast back at the beginning of this year when he first broke into the first team. My wife overheard that, and my wife is not Portuguese, okay, and uh, but she understood enough of it, and she says, "Did you come up with that name, or, or did you take it from someone?" I said, "No, I, I came up with it when I was talking to my son about it." Or to our son, I was, he was coming in, and he said, "Daddy, who's this?" And I said, "João Neves." Who, and he noticed right away my son, because he's smart and he's he's really quick. He noticed Nevj and Nerj sound like the same name, especially to someone who doesn't, you know, really understand or or speak Portuguese. And he says, "Do they have the same name?" And I said, "No. One is Nerj, One is Neves. Neves is Snows. Johnny Snows." And I was like, hey, that has a ring to it, Johnny Snows. So I've been calling him Johnny Snow since January. And I start hearing it in the other podcasts now, in both languages. People are saying John Snows, Johnny Snows, John Snow. Now the commentator on RTPI broadcasting this to, what, 70, 80 nations around the world. Just called him John Snow. I want some royalties on this one, guys. I want my royalties. I came up with this. Now I'm just kidding. This is great. Um My wife did ask me why i continue to call him that and i go when you're talking on a podcast okay and you're speaking in english and not all of your audience speaks or understands portuguese which is exactly the audience i designed this show for the whole purpose i do this in english is for everyone who does not speak portuguese or who does not understand portuguese or or who just wants to hear it in english and i said when three players are combining <laughs> down the left side and you have Nersh, Nevz, and Gedge all on the ball. I said, how does that sound? Nersh, Nevz, and Gedge. And, you know, she says it sounds like I'm saying the same thing over and over. So, exactly. And that's when I started saying snows more often. So, it's Nersh, Snows, and Gedge. And now, now you know, confusion is averted. And that that's where it came from, for me at least. Uh, I think it's awesome that, that he keeps getting called this. I heard it on Benfica FM. I've heard it on, you know, heard it on, I think I heard it on El, El Mitico Benfica as well. If you haven't checked that out, if you understand Spanish, check that podcast out, El Mitico Benfica. It's a podcast in Spanish done by Ricardo Catalunia. Um He's he's uh, from Alentejo, I believe. And uh, he speaks very good Spanish. And now he has, he has uh, Tony, Tony. Um, from From Valencia uh, Joining him And uh, if you listen to Visão Vermelha You know who Tony is uh, He's a passionate Passionate Benfica fan From Valencia From Spain He's not Portuguese at all But he fell in love With Benfica And now together uh, Along with one other uh, Co-host They they do Every week A Benfica podcast In Spanish And I really enjoy it And it's become One of my regular listens Along with uh, Along with You know Everything from Benfica Independent Benfica podcast uh, continue all of these guys, Benfica after 90. My friends up there, you, I've been listening to them for years. I mean, it's just another one, and I get, I mean, it's we're at the point now where I have it about two hours of Benfica content to listen to each day at work, which I like, but anyway. There's lots of lots of use of the nickname John Snows or or, or my version of Johnny Snows, uh, and I think it's funny. So my goal for for the clásico or for the the derby on Sunday, I'm gonna blow up Nino's Twitter, and I'm gonna blow up his inbox. I'm gonna try to get Nino to call him John Snows or Johnny Snows on Goal TV this weekend if I remember, uh, if I'm not too nervous about the match. So that that's that. I I wanted to uh, air some grievances there. I wanted to clear the air, and. Um, Long live John Snows. (laughs) A couple of other things, okay? And uh, before we go any further, I got to give a shout-out, okay? Massive shout-out to uh, my friends who are uh, celebrating their 100th episode. They just put it out this week. Uh, Shout-out to the Long Ball Football Podcast, okay? Um, Albert and Barney, they have a phenomenal podcast where they cover the Portuguese League in a much more... um, analytical and much less uh, emotional manner than I do. I think they do a phenomenal job, actually. They're very, very fair and balanced. Um, something that's very rare in Portuguese football is getting coverage that's fair and balanced. Long Ball Football Podcast gives you that. And you know they have a good name for a podcast because, when I again, I watch these games in, in English, and I don't know if they're aware of this because they live in the UK, but every time on Goal TV... That ball gets knocked long. Nino Torres says, long ball, fuchi ball, podcast. He says he gives them a free plug every time that ball is knocked over the top. So, uh, again, in all seriousness, congrats to them. Uh, Fantastic show. Another one that's in my regular rotation. And uh, big shout out to them. Congratulations on 100 episodes. And also, this is late, but also 100 episodes in the past couple of weeks. Go to to the guys up there in Toronto, the Portugal corner, um, the good, the bad, and the funny of Portuguese football, and, and they are funny. Those guys are awesome. I even like the Portista on that show. That, that tells you something. <laughs> I even like the, the Porto fan. I think he's hilarious. And uh, he's, he's not like the others, so he, he doesn't come across the way that most of them do. And I really like their content, so I want to give them a shout-out as well and a late congratulations on their 100th uh, episode, which was it happened in the last month or two, I want to say. But, um, yeah, they, they are a very funny group of dudes, and uh, they do a good job. They cover the Portuguese league. They cover the Portuguese players outside of the league. And, um, of course, it's two Benficistas and a Portista, if I'm not mistaken. So, always good because we always have the numbers in our favor in, in all of the arguments. But, uh, yeah, they they bring something also that wasn't uh, around in this space, in this coverage of Portuguese football. you got the fair and balanced viewpoint from Long Ball Football podcast. And you've got the laid-back, funny, but still... C- they make good points in the Portugal corner, so shout-out to those guys as well. Okay, we'll move now to um, the women's football team real quick. I'm going to just hit on this really quickly before I um, before I roast the Portuguese league again. Um, even before we get to Benfica's match, the Liga BPI announced last week that next year— Listen to this. The Portuguese Liga BPI, the Portuguese women's first division will be the first women's league in Europe to have VAR in all matches. Very interesting. You talk about the good, the bad, and the funny. I think it's all encompassed in that statement there because what I'm going to get to in a little while is the lack of technology in the Liga Portugal. But here on the women's side, you know, Portugal taking the lead and bringing VAR to the first division before the rest of Europe. This is this was claimed on Canal 11. Okay, whether it's true or not, I'm not 100% certain. I thought the women's Super League in in England already had VAR, but this was what was claimed, correctly or incorrectly. But I'm gonna I'm gonna trust it on 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 its word, and um, the difference is. And maybe I have to rethink some of my criticism because the big difference is the Women's League and Liga 3, two leagues I like, two leagues I have good things to say about for the most part, are run by the federation. They're administrated by the federation. The federation is in charge of that league. It is not its own entity the way the Liga Portugal is separate from the Portuguese federation. And I think now we get into some of the issues. Maybe the problem is with the Liga Portugal. It's definitely what the president, Pedro Proenza because my next story, this is not old anymore. I mean, this is not new anymore. It's, it's kind of old news now, but I haven't talked about it yet. I don't believe. It was late last week, if I'm not mistaken, after I recorded. The president of the Saad. Let me be very specific. And this is how I heard it. If I'm misspeaking and I do apologize, perhaps I'm wrong. But from what I understand, the president of the Saad not the president of the club, the president of the Saad for Chavs, for Group de Chavre, announces that Chavs will not participate in Europe if they qualify. I sometimes joke about this, but I'm not joking when I joke about it, okay? It's it's one of those things, joking, not joking. This is the ultimate black mark on Portuguese football, the ultimate black eye. And the fact that I'm hearing so much of the media and so much of the punditry so much of the podcast sphere defending this is a shame first of all because we should expect better from our football we should expect better from these clubs that are run by sad sociedad Autónoma Desportiva, the autonomous sport society if you want or not society but the um in english association i think would be a better word but anyhow okay they use sociedad in the in the uh, meaning of like how you set up a, a company, okay? A Sociedad with Sausage of the sad, okay? Spain also uses this this um, or this method of of or ownership through sads, okay? This is supposed; these sads were put in place and were mandated to prevent the very thing that they're coming out and doing, and this falls on Pedro Proenza. And this, this is mud on his face. This is a disgrace for the Portuguese league, the Liga Portugal. This is not a condemnation or a criticism of Grupo de Chaves. That is their reality. However, so let me start by saying that the club and its members, its sausages are not at fault for this. I don't blame them. you damn right I blame their sad because their job is is to put a team on the on the pitch. Their job is to have the club functioning and running, including operations and facilities. If you don't have the minimum facilities to go play in the Europa Conference League preliminary stages, or you can't afford flight, I've heard flights are expensive. Are you kidding me? What is the SAD doing? If I were SauSU of Group Shav, I'd be demanding to see. The books. I want to see where the money's going that we don't have it to put it into the football team. Because that is where they're supposed to be putting this money. This is precisely what they exist to do. Is to run these clubs like professional clubs. If you can't run a professional club, and this isn't meant at Group Sprutivt this goes to every sad. If you cannot run a professional football club and by professional, I don't mean coming, you know, coming into the league and aspiring to finish in fifteenth place every season to stay up and to get your paydays against Mefica Porto and Sporting, which is what far too many clubs in this league do. This is the the bad business model that they follow. And of course, they think they're going to be bailed out by the centralization of television rights. And again, who who is going to buy this product other than the games that fit, feature the big 5? And I'm going to use 5 because in this sense there are 5. There are 5 teams with support with large enough support to even think about a centralization of rights. Roca does not bring in money. They hardly put any they they're lucky to get 1000 people at home matches. Kaza Pia still, without a home, announcing like it's a good thing this week that they're going to play, they're like 90% sure they're going to play at the Chishtelou next season. Yet there's still no beginning of upgrades to Pina Manique. And from what I'm hearing, from what people are saying on the ground over there that have said to me is that the facility is just fine the way it is if for the minimums of Portuguese football. So because they don't play in their stadium, they they had 574 fans the other day, last week. In the last episode, I read an attendance number that I believe was 574, which nobody bats an eye at. The the league doesn't bat an eye at. Pedro Proenza pretends it doesn't exist. He talks about taking the his new Tasa de Liga, his new League Cup, to 84 countries or whatever he just said he's got rights. Obviously, that means it's been bundled into a package with a lot more attractive properties because there ain't no 84 countries lining up to buy rights to the Portuguese League Cup, the new revamped 18 League Cup that he wants to take to Saudi Arabia or wherever the hell he wants to take it. This is what the league is, is Concentrating on while their clubs can't afford to play in Europe. If you can't afford to play in Europe, what are you existing for in the first division? Go play amateur football. Put your team in the League of Three and stay there. Put an amateur team there and play for the love of the game. If you cannot put a professional operation in operation in operation, if you cannot do that, first of all, why th- th- this? should be the end of the road for Pidu Provenza because that means your league is not providing your teams with the means to survive. I'd love to know what Pidu Proenza's salary is every year. I'd love to know where the money goes from that Tasa de Liga. Where does that go? How many freebies, how many comps did he give out for that stupid Final Four this year in the League Cup? How many? Where has this league squandered money? That it can't even provide enough prize money to its European qualifiers to go compete in Europe. Again, this criticism is not directed at Gruppertivshaf, the club. It's not even directed at, you know, Aroka if they should make it. I know they have their challenges and it's a small town. I get that. But even a small town should be should not be getting 25% of its stadium capacity, on average, week after week. What, who is going to buy this product that you're going to sell? Explain that to me. How are you going to help these teams? Because at this point, it's almost like... If we keep doing it this way and teams get up there and they get into sixth place and they they say no thanks and it goes to eventually it's going to be the same five teams every single season especially because other teams are like oh look look shops did it why don't we why don't we just sit it out what if fumily is ambitious so they're not i don't expect fumily Cohn to say this they have had a goal to go to europe since this this sad has been in place and you know they have relationships with other clubs and they have more money than the than being pumped in from the outside they have foreign money as well so i don't expect them to do this. so <laughs> you're looking at a real situation where where maybe fumily Cone takes that sixth spot And then we have the same six teams every single year. And then the gap, people say, you know, the gap is too big. It's going to keep getting bigger when the same six teams are going to Europe every year. Sure, Uh, it's going to be five from now on. I get that. And uh, honestly, I think the fair result, quite honestly, this is harsh, but I think Portugal should forfeit that spot. If the sixth place team does not go, chooses not to go, that should go to someone else. That's my belief. Because seventh place does not qualify. You shouldn't qualify just because the team ahead of you doesn't want to go. That spot should be forfeited. And it should go to another country. It should go to the Netherlands, quite honestly. Because guess what? They put two teams in the semifinals of the Europa League and the Europa Conference. Okay? They. No, sorry. They put one team in the semifinals, they put two teams in the quarterfinals. They had a team in the finals last year. Okay, they deserve that spot, and that's how it should go. If you forfeit your spot, the n- either the n- next ranked team of, the next ranked league above you, or the next ranked league below you, which would be Belgium, should get that spot. It shouldn't just go to your seventh, and then if they don't want it to the eighth, if they don't want it to the ninth, until you get back to wherever Vitoria or wherever Family finish. Okay, there, there's something in this. In our culture, okay? And I'm going to talk about this a lot tonight. and I'm already going longer in this segment than I wanted to. But the the amount of superstition among us Portuguese people is just insane. Benfica, you know, there's been a movement online. Fans are trying to get the club to open the Stadio de Luz for Sunday's Derby. not to, So that fans can watch the match together. Because he only gets 5% of the tickets, I believe, to the Alvalade. So a very small window of fans can go watch it there. We got all this money dumped into all these new screens, phenomenal screens. And I agree with, with, with the, that investment, by the way. I might have used the verb dumped, but I didn't mean it literally. I think that was a good investment. Why not open it? Why? Uh, Timo said this online. Shout out to Timo. Uh, he said... Even have a, a four or five euro donation. Ask for a donation and give it to a charity. Give it to the Benfica Foundation. What a great idea. It takes five minutes for a person with common sense to come up with that idea. Our club does not. You want to talk about safety. It's a lot safer to put 60,000 people in a stadium in one location with police presence to to, to monitor it than to spread them across the entire city and then have them bottleneck into Marquesh, you know, you can actually get an orderly movement from from the stadium to the Marquês this way. Should, should it happen? But then you got the other part of the port, the other part, the 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 superstition of some people comes out. And it's like, oh, we're gonna lose if we do that. That has no effect on winning or losing. I'm going to talk about Grimaldo tonight too, but there's another. The superstition comes out in people's criticism of that as well. They say it's disrespect. They say it's this. They say it's that. Deep down, people believe that he's jinxing the team. I'll give you my thoughts on what's going on with him. I have a little bit different perspective, um, and I, I'm going to share it with you uh, in a moment when we get there. But um, again, that's that's my you know my criticism towards the Liga Portugal once again. And lastly, we have to, we have to uh, criticize this. I'm going to do it now rather than in the, in the match report. In what third world does the Liga Portugal operate in that they don't have goal line technology? Again, you want at the beginning of the season... This league, the leadership in this league was gloating about being the fifth ranked league in Europe. It, it was for five minutes, literally, for one round, one match day in Europe, maybe two. We They started including us in the Big Five with the Premier League, La Liga, the Bundesliga, and said, Yeah, yeah, we, we <laughs> Big Five, all right. And um, in what universe? Do you put yourself in that group and you don't even have goal line technology? I don't want to hear that it's expensive. Once again, what is the league spending money on? The league has people who are supposed to be business people that can figure out how to generate revenue to pay for these things. You're sure, certainly not helping uh, clubs with their stadium you know, upkeeps. That's for sure because our stadiums are from the third world. You, you watch the Guatemalan First Division, and you watch the Portuguese First Division, and there's stadiums, you, there's ones you can't tell which one is in which country. And that's not meant as disrespect to Guatemala, but it's just what some of these stadiums look like. Jouave comes to mind with one, one side of it completely demolished with no plans to to rebuild it. What is the league doing they're so focused on their stupid League Cup. They're so focused on talking about how that was the most watched game on television all year, because it was on free TV. By the way, it was on over the air when they put everything else, be, you know, on Sport TV behind the paywall. Um, very easy to get a reg- to get a, a a high number when you do it that way. And it might have even been simulcast both on Sport TV and on free TV on TVE, if I'm not mistaken. They. They find their way to t- pat themselves on the back when they're doing a lousy job. And I again this is directed at Pedro Pruenza. He put his referee in a bad situation on Saturday on Saturday for Benfica. This Benfica uh game. And I don't normally have sympathy for this guy, but Artur Suarez Diaz was having a one hell of a bad week. Okay, he had been chewed out. And humiliated by Carlo Ancelotti midweek. He was laughed at around the world for his poor performance at the Bernabeu. And now he gets Benfica. And he's set up to fail. There is no call he can make on that first Benfica goal that (laughs) is not going to get him to look like a fool. Because he wasn't given the tools to succeed. Now, I think he's, you know, a clown. I think that he's... uh, if he's the best that this country has, I think that's that's a very, very damning statement. But I can't blame him on that one. And and listen, this is why you can see, I've said this this league is a political league to an extent. This is why Porto are the way they are. This is why they put pressure the way they do. This is why we do the same. We're finally playing that game too. Everybody and their mother that is a Benfica fan that has a Twitter tw- retweeted that he was going to be the referee for this match. Everybody retweeted their original tweet when they predicted it three weeks ago. He felt the pressure in this match. We got that goal call because Pedro, uh, sorry, because Artur Suarez was preconditioned because he knew that this, you know, he he it was in his head. His poor performance in the Champions League was in his head. He'd been chewed out. He'd been completely ripped apart in the press. Foreign press, by the way. Not the first time this season either. The German press had a field day with him a f- few rounds back. And he knows every single Benfiquista on planet Earth said the same thing when his name was assigned to this match. Now, even... I'm going to be very reasonable for a moment... How can any human do a good job in those circumstances? These referees, good or bad, are completely set up to fail. And that comes on Pedro Proenza. And it's time for Pedro Proenza to go. Do I really have to talk about Sergio Conceição before I finish this? And again, this comes back to Pedro Provenza. And there's absolutely no consistency in... in criteria or in discipline for the behavior of some clubs and other clubs. I guarantee you if Roger Schmidt was losing his mind like that two weeks in a row, he'd be in the stands and he'd be fined and he would get a significant ban. Sergio Conceição does it all the time, and why wouldn't he? He <laughs> there has been no type of feedback that says you can't continue to do this. He gets a fine; the club pays it. I'm pretty sure the club will reimburse him for his fines. He sits a match. He sit. He all he has to do is sit up in the tribuna and put the earpiece in, it and he talks to his assistant. What kind? That's not a suspension. Not to mention that this league. Two weeks ago, allowed Marcanu's red card to be served in a completely different competition. This is another only in the Togo thing. I mean, I, I'm going to start. I think I'm going to start a spinoff podcast called Only in the Togo. It's going to be like five minutes a week, and we're, I'm just going to. Although I probably need more time than that to just list off all the things that happen only in this league. And then, of course, of course, uh, Marcano. Sits his, his suspension for a straight red card, which if you get a straight you get red card in the Premier League, it's three match automatic. In the Portuguese League, you get to sit it out in a different competition. You get to go into the cup semifinal, second leg, and sit it out. So he's ready to roll once again in the next round of the league. And he scores the winner. Again, I don't know why Braga's president, Salvador, is not fuming at this because he's the one getting screwed by that it's braga that's getting screwed they remain two points behind these guys and they say nothing they have no you know and when i say they i mean the president has no problem coming into study delusion doing the 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 hand gesture to say he was robbed but you know the guys in front of you okay we're, we're two places in front of you the guys in front of you keep keep getting help and you have nothing to say Maybe his true colors are blue and white. I don't know. I don't know the man from anywhere. I don't know anything of him. Um, I do know that he has made Sporting Braga the, you know, a big club. It is very much, at the very minimum, a big four in Portugal because of him. So he's obviously good at what he does to some extent, but I don't understand why he's not fuming about some of these decisions that have gone the way of the team that sits two points in front of him. And I'll just, or it's probably more than that now. I say two points. But anyway, that's that. Um, Yeah, Sergio Conceição, he knows what he's doing. Okay, lastly, I'll finish with this. Not that this is a podcast about this, but I hear a lot of uh, opinions. He knows exactly what he's doing. He is a lot of things, and an idiot is not one of them. Okay? He knows exactly what he's doing. He knows exactly who his fan base is. When he's doing this, and he's getting himself, you know, on the papers, and he's getting himself fined, and he's getting himself at times suspended or sent off, what that does is it takes their fan base, rallies it around him. They all do this, actually. the The little director that that did the same thing. I mean, it was ridiculous. Um, but they're doing the same thing. the The title is slipping, and in. Clubs with logical fan bases that can think for themselves with individuals who can actually think for themselves versus just practice groupthink, they start to ask questions of the manager, of the selection, or dare I say it, of the the board or the president and, and the way the team is built on the lack of investment or the lack of finances or the state of the club's finances. Their fans don't complain about any of that because they do this crap and it rallies them around them and it buys into that BS contra tutti contra todos that they keep hammering out through a megaphone. They're incredibly skilled in communications. They're incredibly skilled in politics, if you want to call it that. They know how to build a narrative and how to keep it going, and they know exactly what. They need to say to have their fans react the way they want them to. Now, you think if André Viles Boas runs against Pinto da Costa for president like he says he's going to, he stands a chance? Absolutely not. They look at Pinto da Costa like he is God. To them, he is their God. And they will not vote him out. I, I You can coin me for saying this right now. But... This is not something where he's he's losing his mind and people saying he's embarrassing himself. He's embarrassing Portuguese football. He's not embarrassing himself because he knows exactly what he's doing, and he wouldn't do this if he was coaching in Serie A or if he was in you know in uh, the Bundesliga or the Premier League. But he knows because he doesn't do this in the Champions League. He does it in the Portuguese league because this is part of the way it's done at that club. This is what that fan base. Not all of them, there's good ones, I said it. There there's there's good fans of theirs and there's I there's fans of theirs I have a lot of respect for. But the majority of them, they eat this shit up. <laughs> they just absolutely take it hook line and sinker. They circle the wagons, they 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 say that everybody's against them and that's it. And then a bad season gets covered up in, in a rally cry. They do this every time that Benfica wins the title. And damn it, I hope on Sunday we win the title. Okay, I have gone very, very long. Um, really quickly, I am going to recap uh, the women's game from this past weekend. Uh, the women's team beats Torres 5-1. to one. Goals from Nicole. She had a double. Bibakash, Chloe, and Carolina Correa to win five to one. Uh, they then celebrated with the fans. It was the last home match and notable was um in being subbed off. Chloe looked at the fans, applauded, patted the badge on her shirt, which to me says, um, I think she was saying goodbye. And um the commentator lost his mind and said, Oh, that better not be he called it, you know, better not be uma And I think that's exactly what it was and um I hope Benfica can collect a decent fee uh for her if she is in fact gonna move. She listen, she has outgrown this league. She has raised the profile of the team in the league. And she's damn best Benfica player I've seen for in the five years of this women's team. No doubt about it. She's she has elevated herself through our club. She's now in the Canadian national team. And um, she sh- if she can get a chance to go to the WSL, if what I'm hearing is is true, Benfica has to uh, accept it, and someone else has to step in next year. Um, but it, it did look like that. I, I do want to say that to me it did look like she was letting us know that was it for playing at home. Um, if that's the case, obviously I wish her the best, and uh, thank you thank you for three phenomenal seasons thank you for raising our club's profile thank you for putting us you know doing your part to put us in the stage we've been in in the women's champions league and we have rubbed shoulders with the best teams in the world so again thank you chloe if that was if that was goodbye it's been real. Uh, I hope that uh, I hope nothing but the best for her. Men's basketball this week begins the LPB semifinals. They won the quarterfinals last weekend, sweeping uh, Pavo two games to none in the best of three in the quarterfinals. Now Saturday game one against Ovarense is at the Pavillon de Luge, as is game two on Monday. Okay, so it's Benfica versus Ovarens LPB semifinals. Benfica, of course, the top seed trying to defend their title, trying to go back-to-back. They finished the season 26 wins and 6 losses. First place, uh, one point better than Porto. One win better than Porto, essentially. And uh, Porto and Sporting are in the other semifinal. Ovarens did upset the favored Oliveira in the quarterfinals. So hopefully Benfica can make quick work of them and get their legs rested up for what will be a tough uh, final series against either Porto or Sporting. Okay, I'm going to take a break now. We're going to hear Reconquista. And on the other side, we're going to talk about this match. Benfica. Versus Portimones from Algarve This is the Mr. Mike Agostinho Follow me on Twitter at Benfica Mr Or follow the show on Twitter, excuse me At Benfica Mr. Follow me on Twitter At Mike Agostinho That's at M-I-K-E-A-G-O-S-T-I-N-H-O And um, you can also follow me on Instagram At Mr. Benfica I'll be right back And uh, we'll get right into this match
1: Sofrida a glória da vitória tem que ser bem nutrida Na reconquista do que é nosso por direito que não vi Por fazer o que podia ter sido feito Se queres a nossa força sabes que estamos contigo Em casa ou fora nós somos um eterno abrigo Sabes que estamos contigo Nós somos um eterno abrigo Ouve a nossa voz O querer de todos nós A fé que não se explica Tatoga, e é isso o teu colinho Na reconquista do que é nosso Por direito que eu não vi Por fazer o que podia ter sido feito Se queres a nossa força Sabes que estamos contigo Em casa ou fora Nós somos o eterno abrigo Sabes que estamos contigo Nós somos o eterno abrigo Povo e, nossas nossa salve, Querer de todos nós A que não se explica
2: Uh Yeah. Second question. Yeah, for sure. So I think we can always count on our uh, on our fans. It was a great atmosphere in this uh, small stadium, and uh, yeah, and I think we played also a great match. So we um, were there from the first second. So that was also what we discussed before. So I think we started always well in the last matches, but actually we never scored at the beginning. So we haven't used our opportunities and was something we wanted to uh, improve today and um, yeah, and I think we did it so I think the first two goals were very important for us and afterwards we were able to create a lot of uh, chances Um, also after the the 2-1 I think we stayed very focused the 3-1 before halftime was very important Um, and then also second half I think we could um, decide um, the game a little bit earlier we had a lot of opportunities and uh, but at the end we scored two more goals and I think i'm very happy and, and proud of my team they showed uh, again a great attitude good football very disciplined tactical wise um, very reliable um, all the players they, they were completely focused on each single situation in the match and yeah they showed that they they yeah they want to not, they don't want to get stopped to to become champion that's what we what we saw today and now we did one more step and uh, yeah, and of course the next, uh, next week we have the next chance
0: Welcome back to episode 163 of Mr. Benfica I'm the mister here with you And if you're still listening, thank you um, I totally get why uh, why you may have thought to uh, shut this off by now I totally went off the rails there uh, Those of you who have listened long enough know that Sometimes that tends to happen uh, Here we are what are we, 46, 47 minutes into the episode? And I haven't even talked about the match yet. But uh, here we go. Let's let's talk about it. It is Portimonese hosting Benfica. And it was this past Saturday at the Stadio Municipal de Portimão in Portimão, Algarve. And uh, 4,404, a full house for uh, this one. And the majority of it, obviously, Benfica support which I always like to see. And uh, let's look at the lineups now. And we'll start with the hosts, the Portimones In goal, of course, the Japanese goalkeeper who is always... At the top of his game against us most of the time. And uh, he still had a lot of good saves in this match. Even though some of the goals he did surrender were a little bit dubious. And uh, I don't think he's going to be winning a Porto contract after this performance. But he still is a good good goalkeeper. And he made some fantastic saves. This score could have been even more lopsided. I'm talking, of course, about Kus- Kusuke Nakamura. Kusuke Nakamura. Uh, Three-man backline. They played the three-five-two that typically we we have trouble with uh, facing. Maybe we've got that figured out a little bit. Although we did get some luck in this one, and that that helps as well. Uh, the on the the right center back is Alamo. The deep lying center back is Park, and the left. Center-back is Relves. Five in the midfield, anchored by the the, the the holding mid, Henrique. He has Carlinhos to his right, Mauricio to his left, and then the wing-backs. On the right is Mofi, and on the left is sec And they're playing behind the two strikers, um, the Brazilian Iago Cariello, and, of course, the Colombian Yanni Gonzalez, who was on our books for a little while. Uh, he, he's been around a little bit. We loaned him out a few times um, looking at his his career. Uh, he never actually played for us, but uh, he went on loan to Corinthians, on loan to LA Galaxy, on loan to Sierra, on loan to Deportivo Cali, and then finally was let go, and he went on on a free here to uh, Portimonense. And it seems like he's found his... Found his his niche here, found his spot here in Portimones. Uh, he is in the starting lineup for Benfica. Really no surprises, um, maybe half a surprise. Uh, we go with Odie in goal, as has been the case for Roger Schmidt. Uh, the back four, Auschnitz continues to fill in on the right in place of the injured and recovering slowly and soon to hopefully soon to be back, but probably not going to be risked. Uh, again this season for for 90 minutes in in uh, Alexander ba so it is Frederick ausness getting the the play at right back Moratu in place of the suspended Nico Otamendi partnering with Tony Silva and Grimaldu starts on the left on Mob. here he is the man of the match on he has the highest rating on goal point the highest rating goes to Rafa while the Liga Portugal recognized João Neves Johnny Snows as the player of the match but uh speaking of Johnny Snows he partners in midfield in the double pivot with Chiquinho uh looks like Florentino is is remaining on the bench and I do think there's a fitness issue with with Florentino, and I also think that in in a term of matchup, he what he brings wasn't necessarily what we were going to be looking for in this match anyway. So I think that's why Roger goes with with these two. I'm gonna say this. I'll go on a limb. I don't know how much of a limb this is, but I th- I think. Sh- uh, I think Tino r- comes back into the eleven for Sporting this weekend. I think he's going to partner with Nevsh and is going to be dropped to the bench like he was at Gilles sent, and then he'll be an option off the bench. That That's where I think Roger Schmidt is going, and I think the reason Tino doesn't play here is to get 100% for the Sporting match because we're going to need him, I think, in facing a stronger midfield that plays with three up the middle. So I think that... Uh, it's a it's a match that is calling Florentino's name coming up this Sunday. In front of the double pivot, you have Netish on the right. Rafa playing centrally with—actually, uh, this is wrong. Once again, the apps put it wrong. It's, it's João Mario that plays on the right in, in assisting uh, Aushniz. Neresh plays on the left, typically, um, right now. While Aushniz is the right back, Netish plays on the left. If Bach comes back into the lineup, I expect to see Netish. Uh, move to the right. And then behind the striker is Rafa while Gonzalo Ramos gets the start again at striker. I know a lot of people think that Peter Moussa, uh, deserves a start. Um, I just don't think he does enough for Roger to go into the starting lineup and I think a lot of people are only watching half of the game they're only watching the offensive side and not even just the offensive side of the game they're only watching the on the ball side of the game there's a lot that that Gonzalo Ramos brings to the table other than scoring goals yes I know he's a striker and it's a striker's job to score goals and he went six games without a goal he's still top of the league in scoring right now holding on by a thread but he's still top of the league and he scores a nice one here and um Hopefully gets the monkey off his back and maybe he can even explode this coming weekend at the Alvalade. So that those are the starting lineup. Um, the little clip I played at the beginning of the of the episode that started me on that rant uh, was Joan Evge hitting the post in the in the first minute. Um, ball was it. It starts with a play that's cro- that is cleared by Portimonense and. Um, Kirlinj is just dribbling, I think, up the right center channel. He is shut down quickly, closed down, and dispossessed by Chiquiniu who then pokes it free, and it gets to Grimaldu, who gets it to Nedish, who gets across. The cross gets cleared. It falls to Joronev. Joronev smacks it on a half volley, and hits it off the post, nearly puts Befica ahead in the first minute of the game. And I like this. This sent a clear message that we weren't there to play around. We were there to get the job done. And in the fourth minute, uh, the ball comes swinging across the box. I think it comes from... From uh, João Mario, it ends up at Grimaldo, and Grimaldo hits it. And um, I'd be lying if I said it looked like it went into me. If nothing was called, I would have had no reaction to it. I don't think. I thought that Nakamura made the save. However, I said this, um, and this is why it's important for Benfica to be vocal, and it's important to, to call out the referees in advance. It's important to pressure them because you get calls like this, and unfortunately... This is Portuguese football. You can't win without getting calls, okay? And really, uh, yes, if this had been, obviously, if this had been the blue and white stripes that scored like this, I'd be fuming, no doubt about it. But you know what? They do score like this. And as far as I'm concerned, it's been, what, it has been, I think, 17 years since, uh, since, Lauren Robert beat Vitor Bahia and Vitor Bahia pulled it out of the goal when it was a good foot and a half in the goal. And uh, yeah, I think the referee was the current president of the league, if I'm not mistaken. It was either Pedro Provenza or it was Oligario Berquerenza in that match, if I'm not mistaken. One of those two clowns uh, didn't allow the goal. It took 17 years, but we got it back. So, no, I'm not sorry. Sorry, not sorry. Uh, the goal stands. Um, no, I don't think it went in. But um, I think this is fruit of pressuring the referee. And I'm sorry. I, we didn't create this. This isn't the environment created by us. Okay? This was created by another club. And if you want to compete, you got to play too. And uh, Diaz surprisingly, uh, gives this goal. Uh, I've heard that his his linesman might have called it and was, was well-positioned. I have seen uh, Ugu Gil tweet out the picture with the shadows. and Although that, that's neat and all, um, that's not any kind of proof. Uh, that the shadow of the ball was past the the shadow of the crossbar. But that all has to do on the angle of the sun. Good try. Um, A for effort on that one. But uh, anyway, the goal counts. And about 20 minutes later, it's uh, João Mario again, if I'm not mistaken, playing it across. And this time, it is Relves who slides in and puts it into his own goal, trying to clear it. And the only thing that would have made this better would have been if the own goal had been scored by Sergio Conceição Jr., uh, who would come into the match later. I bet you didn't know. Sergio Conceição, the manager's oldest son, same name, uh, very Portuguese tradition to... Give the first son uh, the same name as the father. It seems to happen in families that have lots of kids, lots of sons. But uh, he um, he did come into this match later. But I, it would have been even better if he had been the one to uh, to to not the the OG uh, against against um, his team. And if you want any any further proof that this team is a, a satellite club or a feeder team for Porto. Look, the coach's son is on this team. So there you go. The coach's son has played the majority of his career in League 2 and League 3, by the way. Okay. Uh, I think he had a brief stint in Belgium and came back home in January and found himself on this Portimonense side. But, again, um, let me clarify since I keep criticizing this club for this. The support for this team, the Portimonense fans... Don't like this, by the way. They they don't like the close ties that this club has to Porto. They, uh, they're they very vocal about it. And unfortunately, this club has a little bit of a civil war of their own going on between the Sausage and the SAD. And um, yet another uh, reoccurring theme in the Portuguese league and in Portuguese football. How many clubs... I'm going off tangent again. How many clubs in Portugal have to fold before they rethink this? How many... F- clubs take on these sides with people who don't give a damn about the club who are looking to make a quick buck or looking to entertain themselves for a little while and then they leave the club belly up. Boinense is, is, is the famous one they're they're you know gonna play in the Liga 3 final this Saturday but how about Betamar? How about Ollyes just got relegated again this year how about Fatima? How about uh Avj coming back next year? The Sad found their Sad found another club. Or I should say their club found another Sad to be more exact, which leaves Vila Franquense with nothing. Uh essentially folding. da amadora Then they found another SAD and now they're back. And this is how you get promoted in twenty in the 2020s in Portugal. It's not necessarily by winning leagues, it is by fusing with another club. It is by going and finding finding Assad that basically ran a club into the ground and letting them run your club for a little while. Let's see how that works out. I'm very interested to see what happens with Fumilicão years down the road um, as well as, as this Portimonense side. Okay, back to the match. Um, <laughs> we do surrender a goal in the 38th minute, and it is scored by Enrique, and uh, it's off a set piece that is played in. I forget who played the ball in. I want to say it was Alemão, but I'm not sure. Uh it could have been it could have been uh Carlinius, actually. I think it was Carlinhos that played the ball in. And I think that Moratu kind of makes a mess of this one. Um full disclaimer, I'm not the biggest Muratu fan. Uh I don't see a future for him as a starting central defender for us. Uh maybe he can grow into a Jardel role where years down the road with a lot of experience. He makes up for you know a little bit of a lack of ability, but he does some things well. But really, this this is this is not good, uh, not a good look for him. I'm hoping that a healthy Lucas Verissimo, who gets a preseason, will surpass him. If if uh, you know if in fact Otamendi does does leave this summer, um, and uh, hopefully we can keep Tony Silva for one more season, but. Anyway, again, a lot of people blaming Odie on this one. I don't think Odie had any view of it, to be honest. I think he was screened. And um, Morato leaves the ball right there for, for Enrique to hit and to put on goal. But Benfica, you know, answers, okay. They fall behind in the 38th, and they manage to get the two-goal. Not fall behind, sorry. The lead is cut in half in the 38th, and they managed to reestablish the two-goal lead in the 45th minute by the prettiest goal of the day. Coming from Gonzalo Ramos, he was du- uh, he was due for one. And uh, he's going down the left center channel. Fakes the shot, cuts back, puts it on his preferred right foot, and hammers it past Nakamura. 3-1. This put everyone's nerves at ease. And really, uh, this put Portimonense's hopes in the toilet. Uh, we come out for the second half. And like I said, we get a couple substitutions here. Uh, Tino comes on in at the 45th minute. Uh, he replaces Chiquinho. And why not? We got a two-goal lead. Um, on the other side, uh, Paul Sergio goes to his bench in the 67th minute, where he sends on Ventura, Estrella, and the aforementioned Sergio Conceição Junior. That is, of course, uh, he's a wing back. He—they're um, all wing backs. It seems like uh, no, he—he he very much like Rodrigo is a a winger that's converted into a back for. they just like their father was and um well he's not nearly as good as his father (laughs) that's that's for sure uh and not as good as i don't even think he's as he's he's not as good as his brother rodrigo and not even in the ballpark with uh what is it francisco is that the other one's name uh so she yeah chico so again those are the substitutions made by paul sergio here in the in the In the middle of the half. But if you got controlling the game. I mean again. On the second watch. It was dominant. I mean this this game was never in question. Outside of that one little goal. That they got on a very. uh, Semi broken play. But I think that. uh, I think that. And I've been calling him Enrique, but it's Pedro, Pedro Enrique or Pedro, this app's calling him Enrique. I think he wears Pedro on his shirt. Uh, and he was Porto Winters man of the match. But again, uh, we do see some substitutions later. Let's see where Benfica goes. Uh, Roger making subs when he likes to make them in the 86th minute is what it is. Again, at this stage in the game, if you don't need to make a change, you don't make a change. And the team was playing well. Um, you don't make changes for the sake of it. You've got an entire week in between matches, so uh, me uh, Gedge and Musa come on in the 86th. They bring some fresh legs, and uh, they they do replace uh, Ramush and Nerish. and uh, Musa scores on essentially his first touch. It's a nice play, actually. It's a corner kick, um, and it is one. It, it's one. In the box and cleared for. It was cleared for Gedge, who had just come on. Gedge, with one touch, plays it to Rafa. Plays Rafa into space. Rafa gets on his bike and runs. He does what he does best. Uh, Rafa seems to be back, which I am happy about, because uh, when he's on like this, he is he is crucial. As he outruns everybody and then finally cuts it back, dishes to Musa, who loses his balance completely. But so does the defender. It was a great fake, actually. He, if I were him, I'd be saying I did it on purpose. It's a great fake. And when he when he gets his balance, everybody's falling around him. The goalkeeper's flat-footed, and all he has to do is slide it into the far post for one. And uh, Musa would add a second. Uh, that first one came in the 87th. Two minutes later, he adds a second and makes it 5-1 to one for Benfica. And what was another fantastic match for Johnny Snows in the middle of the park? Of course, the league recognized him as the man of the match. And I've got the goal point up. And there's not much to analyze, like I said. I know I've already gone long, so I'm going to cut this part shorter. We have, we've all got our mind on the Derby, of course. Um, and this match being as relaxed down the stretch as it was it is a good thing it's a good thing that the players won't come out as emotionally exhausted as they were, you know, last week. Yes, it was huge to win 1-0 against a top 4 team, against a third place team. And it's huge to get a big win and those big wins feel massive, but when you wake up the next day you feel the wear of the emotional uh the emotional uh wear and tear on you of of just the, you know, highs and lows of that match and as I'm going to say Um, When I talked about the Grimaldo situation, um, we Portuguese are very emotional people. We're very superstitious and we're very emotional. And we take things very, very personally as has been evidenced this week. But before we get there, let's go to the goal point and look at a few things here. Um, For Portimonense, their goalkeeper Nakamura with a 5.9. It's the first time that a Portimonense goalkeeper that I can think of doesn't stand on his head against us. And you know, save everything in sight. Uh, Alamosa 4.9, Park it was a 4.1, Relvish 4.7 with an OG. Uh, Sec 4.0, Carlinhos 4.7, Pedrão 6.3, Mauricio, 5.1, Maufi, 4.8, Iago uh, Cariello 4.7, and Yanni Gonzalez 4.4. Um, off the bench Estrela 4.8, Sergio Conceição 4.6, and Lucas, 5.0. Uh, Portimonense's team rating was a fairly low 4.85 with just a 0.3 XG. Uh, for Benfica, Odie gets a 4.8 on this one. Aushinus, 6.4 is the right back with an assist. Tony Silva, 6.3. Morato gets a 6.0. Grimaldo with an 8.0 in a goal. Um, and he is the hot topic around the club right now. Neresh, 6.4 and assists. Chiquinho, 5.3. And uh, he only played half the match, so he's naturally going to have a lower rating. João Neves, Johnny Snow, 7.5. João Mario 6.2. He's slowly getting his form. Uh, very slowly getting his form back. He's just playing some, you know, uh, mistake-free ball right now. Not really doing anything, but then when you look back at it, he was involved in a couple of the goals. So... Um, I'm hoping that this this trend continues, where players break out of their slumps. And uh, we saw Shikinu score a header, right? We saw Rafa break out of his slump last week. We saw. Uh, Ramus break out of his slump this week. So I'm hoping Joel Mario is next. And at Alvalad he he makes them pay for, for whistling him when he was on the national team. I would love for for uh, Joel Mario to score the winning goal at Alvalade this weekend. And just silence, silence them. <laughs> um, he gets a 6.2. Rafa 8.6. Again, on goal point, he's the man of the match. Ramos, 8.6 off the bench Tino 5.2 and Musa 7.1 looking at some of the statistics shots it was 26 to 6 in favor of Benfica shots on goal 11 to 1 in favor of Benfica so five goals scored but they got 11 on on goal which means that that and remember hitting the post or the bar like like uh, Ramuz did early in the match that doesn't count in the stats as a shot on goal or an encuadrado as they call it on goal point so that means that there was a, there was seven, six saves by nakamura in this one actions in the opponent's area 49 to 11 in favor of benfica like i said dominance five corners to three in benfica's favor pass efficiency was good for both teams 84% for benfica 80 for portimonense Efficiency in the vertical pass is very good, seventy-six percent for Benfica. Benfica actually lost this stat for one of the few times this season. The actions in the opponents' defensive actions in the opponents' midfield, Portimonense did that. They were working hard defensively. They had thirteen to nine. Uh, each team committed twelve fouls while ball possession went to Benfica, fifty-eight to forty-two. And looking at some of the other things that we see that goal point brings us, let's look at some of the past tendencies again. Um, very low numbers of past tendencies for Portimonense, so I'm not even going to touch on that. But Grimaldo to Netish seventeen times, Netish to Grimaldo thirteen times. So those two players combined for thirty completed passes in this match. Uh, again, the. The the left side of our attack is the crucial side, um, and when when the other team is not forcing us to the right, and now that Aucheness is there, they're not so so eager to force us to the right, even if he, he's a little less a little more suspect defensively um, in a match like this where we're going to possess. They uh, they didn't effectively force us to go right, but I think that we would have been just as strong. Possession wise, on the right side with Auschwitz and João Mario, uh, they combined. The two of those, by the way, combined for 11 passes. Um, João Neves and Grimaldo combined for 12, while João, well, Grimaldo to João Neves for 11. So between the, those two guys, a respectable 23 passes between them. And now you start to see why. why uh grimaldo has such a high rating as he's really a key guy in this in this match as he's combining with two of the key players here Uh, it's always interesting to look at this it doesn't tell the whole story obviously but it does tell part of it and um i look at rafa's heat map here uh most of it played down the left center channel heavy you know darkest in the corner of the penalty area so he saw the ball in a lot of dangerous you know situations he had an assist. He had two uh, dangerous chances created, five passes for shots, four—sorry, uh, three—progressive drives. He attempted four dribbles, completed three of them, and he forward. He received fourteen forward passes, which is a very interesting statistic, um, and picked up three steals as well. So a very good performance for him on this one. Uh, Gonzalo Ramos's heat map is a little more spotty. He he gets everywhere. Uh, his his heat map is always interesting. He's got some heat even in our own half on the both flanks where he shows up uh, in the build for play or you know in in the attempt of a counterattack. He's got quite a bit of heat in the middle, but he his you know darkest is obviously inside the penalty area. He had a goal in this one, seven shots, three of them on goal, hit the bar on one. Uh, he had 10 aerial duels, winning five of them, for two passes for shots, uh, five forward passes completed, and he received 16 forward passes. So hardworking afternoon for him. And again, Joan another Another star in this one, Gold point says here, in the 70th minute they tweeted out that he had an average of 11.8 duels per 90 minutes. And it's more than any other player with less than 430 minutes played. He's a hard worker. He doesn't shy away from the duels. And, uh, yeah, I mean, we got to, you know, we're still in the first, you know, first... We're in the infancy of his professional career, but we're in the we're still in the first three or four starts of his career, and uh, obviously the sky the sky is the limit for this kid. It's very exciting, and I can't wait to see what he continues to grow into, and uh, it's going to be a real big opportunity for him this coming uh, this coming Sunday in a match that can all, all as we know now three points and we are champions and we're going to Marquez on Sunday night. What nobody's mentioning is that we can actually win this title with two points. We can tie both matches. We will most likely, 99%, be champions. Uh, Right now, our goal difference is superior by 13 goals to Porto. So in order for us to, we would have to, they'd have to win both matches. We would have to draw both matches, and they would have to make up a 13-goal difference. So that's getting tougher and tougher to do. Uh, for Portos, they're more and more reliant on help, obviously. Um, they don't just need help for us to drop the points, but they also need need help uh, letting them score that many goals. Uh, looking at some of the stats also, it says the duels won per 90 minutes in the Liga B win, uh, 22-23 with a minimum of 450 minutes. Joanev is at the top with 12.2 Duels one per 90 minutes as he's ahead of Alison Safira of Vitória, uh, Mateusz Babi of Santa Clara, Manuel Ugarte of Sporting, and Marco Grujic of Porto. Um, Ronevš's heat map is, uh, you know, as you would expect. <laughs> it's all over the pitch. Um, just you know, it's it's a ray of colors all over the pitch. He had two passes for shots, two progressive. Uh, Kuduange means drives. Uh, I'm guessing dribbles I don't I'm not sure exactly what they mean by that he he, he was he suffered three fouls. Uh, he had four defensive actions in the opponent's midfield nine steals and uh, f- four times he blocked a pass or a cross and recovered possession ele- uh, 10 times. That is a very very productive afternoon. For one, Johnny Snows. So those are the stats. Benfica wins, as we said, and secures three more points and puts all the pressure on Porto, who had to play a day later. And as I said at the top of of the uh, episode in my rant, Porto obviously feeling that pressure, uh, starting to react to that pressure. Uh, So let's look at the results in this round. 32. That started on Friday, May the 12th. Gil Vicente, 3-1 winners at home over Boavista. As Fran Navarro gets back on the score sheet after another you know weeks of uh of being you know held to no goals. He picked up two here and heats up the goal scoring race as well, gets himself back in it in front of 3,265 in the Stadio Cidade de Barcelos. On Saturday, Shavz. 2-0 winners at home over Passus Ferreira. And it looks like it's over for Passus Ferreira. They've got a real tall uh, task now. Uh, they need they need to make up a three-point difference in which they don't have the tiebreak with Maritimo. And they have just two matches to do it. they got to win both matches just to have an opportunity, in my opinion at least. Uh, Paul Bernardo, our on-load midfielder to Passus Ferreira, was also sent off. Uh, for accumulation of yellow cards in the first half. And uh, this one was played at the Stadion Municipal Ingeniero Manuel Branco Teixeira in beautiful Chavs Trajus Montes, 2,475 in attendance for that. Uh, Vizela hosting Famalicão in one of a plethora of Minho Darby's throughout the season. 0-0 is the result there. And uh, 2,717 in the Stadio do Vizela. Uh, Portimundes-Benfica, we already know. 5-1 win for Benfica. Sporting hosting Maritimo. And they managed to to pull it out late after the uh, relegation. You know, the side right now in the relegation playoff spot goes ahead 1-0 in the 10th minute. Thanks to Vitor. Sporting, our next opponent's. Get some help in the 85th minute on an own goal from Mateusz Costa. And then in the 90th plus 3, uh, Sebastian Cuates would win the match. As we know, there would be a, re- a sending off for Antonio Adan in the 90th plus 7. This is, again, only in the go in which referee makes a call or doesn't make a call. I don't even know exactly how this went because I did not watch this match. But uh, I've heard enough about it now. I know Paulinho went in goal for them. Adan, uh, I think, reacted to a call that was made. I think a penalty was given originally. Um, And uh, the linesman didn't call it. The referee overruled the linesman, gave the penalty. Adan's protests get him sent off. And then he goes to the VAR and reverses his call, yet the sending off stands. Again, got to love the go as Paulinho goes in goal. Fortunately for Paulinho, there was no penalty. Unfortunate for Maritimo, of course. This one finishes 2-1 in front of 27,130 at the at the toilet bowl <laughs> next door at the Alvalad. Um, and then Sunday's matches Chihuahua hosting vitoria Guimarães. Vitoria with a clinching, actually they clinch uh Europa Conference League with this one-nil win, thanks to a goal from Handel in the 55th minute in front of four thousand and one at the Stadio Rio. Uh I thought I had a different name. But anyway, uh in Vila do Conde and um Vittorio Gimenez, congratulations. Uh if Portugal wants to get a team into the Europa League or into the Europa Conference League, excuse me. They are your best bet. Okay. They are they have the capability of building a team. If they can keep uh, a good amount of this team together, I think, that they can uh, put themselves, as long as they don't draw Tottenham or something like that, they can put themselves in position to maybe get to the group stage. And maybe Portugal starts to recover some of that coefficient. But I got 5-3 winners at home over Santa Clara. This uh, this guarantees relegation for Santa Clara. Uh, PZ returned to the score sheet for the first time, and I don't know how long here as uh. As he scored in, in stoppage time and did his patented salute, uh, six only sixteen thousand four hundred forty-two on hand at the, at the quarry. I've said enough. I am not going to keep battering uh, uh, Braga. They're they're still, you know, the fourth biggest club in this league, um, but that attendant, those attendance numbers should be a lot better. There is no excuses. Porto hosting Casa Pia, and Porto are fortunate to get away with two points here uh even Nielsen <laughs> scores an own goal in the 45th plus five and then Taremi gets on the score sheet in the second half and uh Danny Namaso wins it for the blue and white prison stripes in stoppage time 35,203 in the Stadio do Ladrão, and um for a little while there it looked like we were going to be champions already in the last Sunday and to be honest I I'll be honest, I'm not making this up. I don't want to be champion on the couch. I want to win it on the pitch. Um, yes, I want to be champion above all else. So however it happens, it happens. But I want to win it on the pitch. Now, if Fumley want wants to give us a hand and, and take a point this week and then all we got to do is get one point, that'll be great. Uh, but I want to win it on the pitch. doesn't mean I won't be ecstatic if Porto somehow lose this weekend. Fumley Cohen when we go into the match Sunday night, already champions. Um, we'll see. I think this team is very professional. Uh, Benfica, of course, is very professional. They're going to show up and they're going to play the match no matter what. And uh, yeah, that's those are the results. And then Monday, Ishtrio beats Oroca, moving Oroca further down the table and making a real race for sixth place for teams that assume, assuming everybody that's in the race other than Shav wants to go to Europe. Okay, 83 points for Benfica in first place, 79 for Porto, Braga are now five behind uh, Porto, so their chance of automatic qualification is pretty much gone now. Porto would have to lose both matches. Braga would have to win both matches, but uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, Spartan fourth with 70 points. If we beat them on Sunday, Spartan will not have Champions League next season, not even preliminary round that is added motivation to win this weekend and not save the party for the next weekend. Guimarães now fifth 50 points. 48 points is a Roka with uh in sixth place 48 points like I said two behind them is Shavsh but uh Shavsh don't count because they're not going to go to Europe. So, Roca has no reason to worry about them catching them. Uh, they they just uh, need to stay ahead of Con, who right now have 43. Fumlico are 5 behind Roca. Tough task. They are going to have to win. I like this because it means they have to win uh, against Porto on Saturday. So, we'll see what happens. Vizela ninth on 40. Casapia also on 40, as is Boavista, all three of them. 12th place. Riuav 39. 13th place, Portimonense, 34. Gil Vicente also with 34 in 14th. They are safe. They have a 9-point edge over the relegation playoffs. So both of those teams are safe. Istorio with the win over Roca is also safe now with a 7-point lead over uh, Maritimu. Sorry, 8-point lead over Maritimo. Maritimo can no longer catch them. Maritimu at at best can hope for that relegation playoff against the third place side in the Liga 2. de Fajeda, like I said, three behind Maritimu, but they don't have the tiebreaker. Maritimu won the head to head. So de Fajeda need a minimum four points in these last two matches, including a final match day at Braga. But uh really they need six points. So um uh, I hope they keep uh I hope they keep Cesar Peixoto, and they let him rebuild the team in the second division because I believe they'll win the second division next year if they keep this team together. I don't know what they're going to do. Who I don't think is going to be back anytime soon is Santa Clara. They're only one point behind behind Pastors Fajero, but I believe... Uh, they're in shambles internally and again another club i think where the sad and the supporters and the sausage not seeing eye to eye and the people of San Miguel have completely turned their back on this on this club uh, or on this team at least, and uh, the stadium <laughs> continues to be empty in Porta Delgada. Okay, quickly, uh, stats here. The Gonzalo Ramos stays top of the scoring charts for now. 18 goals, one better than Taremi and Mario. Fran Navarro moves into fourth, and he's only two back with 16. And then you got Pot with 15 in fifth place. Okay. Here is the fixture list for this coming weekend starting Saturday, May 20th. No Friday matches this weekend here in round 33. Roca hosts Chaves uh, at 3 30 Portuguese time. Santa Clara hosts Portimones at 3 30 Portuguese time. Boavista hosts Braga at the Bessa at 6 p.m. Portugal time and at night 8 30 Portuguese time. Famalicão hosting. Uh, football club do Porto again Famalica must win if they want to compete for that spot in the Europa Conference League Sunday 3.30pm Portuguese time at the Alphonse Enrique Vitoria Guimarães versus Gil Vicente I believe that's another Minho Derby <laughs> at the Chamor uh, where no one will be in attendance maybe 500 people will see Casa Pia host quote and the host is in quotations ishtorel and that's not a shot at casa pia's sausage or their club it's completely at their side and and at the municipality of lisbon which apparently is not allowing them is not giving them the permits they need to continue their uh, renovations on Pena Manique, So uh, that's going to be a story for the next 12 months. Passage Trigera hosts Rio Ave in the capital do Movel. That's a 6 o'clock uh, Portuguese time kickoff. And then, of course, at 8.30, it is Sporting hosting Benfica. I don't need to tell you where to find that. Uh, <laughs> you know where you're going to be watching it from on Sunday Afternoon here in the United States, Sunday night in Portugal. That is around 33, and uh, that is almost it for this episode. I have said I was going to talk about this, and I'm not going to go on for a long time about this. But uh, Grimaldu, as everybody knows, has uh, agreed to terms to join Bayer Leverkusen, who were, uh, coincidentally, uh, eliminated from from the Europa League. This afternoon by José Mourinho's Roma side. But um, my thoughts. Okay, I know everybody's pissed. Everybody's livid. And like I said, we Portuguese are very emotional people. If you don't believe that, just, just uh, look at how we react to things that happen in football. And the, I'm including myself, by the way. I'm not, I'm not, you know, the pot calling the kettle black. I'm not throwing stones when I live in a glass house. I am very much like that as well. Uh, just go back to the episodes in January where Enzo left and get my reaction to that. That was 100% emotional, 0% rational. I'm going to try to be rational here. We all knew Grimaldo was leaving at the end of the season. Nobody likes the timing, but here's what I think happened. This is my personal opinion. Um, I'm not going to drop names. But uh, I've had a few conversations. Okay, uh, this is this is something, and if and a lot of people that are heated, are heated, are fans that are not that familiar with German football. Okay, German football makes these kinds of announcements every year at this time. German football is always by the end of the season, they are on next season in their minds. They start to wear next season's kits. They start to announce, I mean, managers start to announce what team they're going to be managing next season and this season's not over. Okay? They are a, a colder culture. A more level-headed, colder. When I say cold, It's that's a bad translation from Portuguese. Uh, I mean level-headed. Okay? Uh, they are a level-headed culture. They do. Don't do superstitions very much. I don't get the sense that the Germans are very superstitious. We, on the other hand, are the polar opposite. Our our blood is red hot. <laughs> it bubbles. And we are superstitious to no end. We got people already... Con- I mean, again, once again, benfie- there's Benficistas that are waiting for any excuse to say, this is it, we're going to lose it now. And um, people... <laughs> People calling for Grimaldo to be benched is insane. First of all, we found out about this this week. I don't doubt for one minute that Benfica, that the players, that Roger Schmidt, that Rui Costa, that Rui Pedro Braj knew that he had signed with Leverkusen a long time ago. He didn't go to Leverkusen this past week. Those pictures were not from this past week. My guess, my guess, okay, and um, again, I'm not going to name drop. I had a couple conversations, not with people I know personally, but with people I know how these things tend to work and who have dealt with the German German clubs, albeit at lower levels. But they have some insight and they have added that most likely this deal was wrapped up in the last international break. I'm sure the original plan was to announce it at the end of the season, or it was to announce it when Benfica uh, would clinch the title. Now remember, we had a we were going on a we had a 10 point lead going on 13 at that time. and there was probably an arbitrary date because I don't I, I admit I wanted to have the time today to do a little research. I didn't get a chance to. I believe Bayer Leverkusen has shareholders. I believe they're publicly traded. I, th- I believe part of the club is publicly traded. I may be wrong, okay, but I believe they have shareholders, and I believe because of that they have to disclose things. And I don't know if there um, if there was a date where this had to be disclosed, because again, if you have shareholders, that affects people's investments you have to be transparent you can't sign a player and then just not say anything until the season's over it's not how things work in business again i'm not certain that this is the case but this is the case sometimes with benfica and if benfica had signed a player for next season okay a player who's a free agent whose contract is is expiring on july 1st for example of this coming year and Benfica have reached a you know a deal with a player not in principle but if they've put pen to paper on a contract pen to paper with a player I'm not going to, uh, let's call him João de Maia, whatever, okay, from Penafiel. I, I'm just making a, an example for, for 500,000 euros, and they wouldn't play Penafiel for 500,000. There's no player there worth that. But but listen, my point is if Benfica makes that signing, okay, Benfica SAD is publicly traded. This is why the CVM or whatever the, that acronym is, the CDVM, uh, Comunicados come out, the communications. The bulletins. Because when you sign a player, you're acquiring an asset. And it has to be reported to the shareholders. So had Benfica signed a player in January or in March for next season, at some point, and it not dependent on football results, but within a certain time frame, they would have to report that to the market. I don't know if that's what happened here. But also what I have the sense of... And this is this is really my my strongest sense, is that this was going to get out. I think they got word that this was going to leak. Fabrizio Romano or somebody got word and they were going to tweet it. And maybe they gave the club or the player the chance to break it first. They can say, hey, we have this. This happens. They can say, hey, we have this tip. We know you're signing with Leverkusen. We give you 24 hours to announce it, or we're going public. Or even worse, someone in the Portuguese press got tipped off. Okay, even worse, someone in the press trying to, who has an interest in destabilizing Benfica and creating exactly the reaction there that's happening right now, may have, you know, gotten a hold of this information. And I I don't even rem- I don't even know I haven't had the time I've been slammed with work so I haven't even had the time to see who actually made the announcement I saw Fabrizio Romano's tweet in the picture I don't know I didn't look at it close enough I don't know if Grimaldo's agent announced it I don't know if Bayer Leverkusen announced it but anyhow this sounds like they may have tried to get ahead of that and by addressing it this way and getting it out of the way on Monday or Tuesday of the week and it not coming up Friday and causing this this cra- this this cloud of instability right on the day of the match. So that's my sense. that is my strongest sense if you want my opinion. am I looking at straws maybe but I've been around this game a little bit okay and I've been around players. And I've gotten to know people who have been around bigger uh, situations, and um, I reached out and I got some general feedback. Now this is not knowledge; this is just experience in these things and um, how sometimes this happens. That's the best I can come up with. I'm again, I'm not, getting, I'm not taking this personally. I expected him to leave. I think that video last week was probably the beginning uh, of this. It was trying to uh, warm the fans up a little bit. Maybe show one side of him before this news dropped. It's very possible. Because when Befica puts something on their official channel, and their official YouTube, a specific interview with a player that you know is leaving, they have a reason to do that. They're doing it in their own interest. It's not in the interest of the outgoing player. It's in the interest of the club. And probably in the interest of maintaining harmony. But I don't doubt for one minute that his mates in that locker room knew this already. There was nobody inside the team, inside that circle of people, that this story is going to affect. And Grimaldo's going to come out. He's going to play. Yeah, he, if he plays poorly, he's gonna. it's going to be because he played poorly. It's not going to be because he's... He's, you know, cursed for for making a deal before the season's over. People reacted the same exact way to when we announced our uh, re-signing Roger Schmidt, getting him to agree to stay on longer when we announced his his extension. I told you guys, this is more normal than you realize. Yes, in Portuguese football, we don't do this because we're hot-headed and we're superstitious. And, like, people actually, like, their bodies produce... incredible amounts of cortisol over the stress they give themselves over these superstitions. I think Gr- Grimaldo's gonna he, listen he's been knowing this for weeks it has not affected his play. I don't expect it to affect his play if if he plays poorly it's not because of this it's because he played poorly because he's a player who's not always you know he's had a very good season but he's not always at the top and big games aren't always his thing. And why would he go to Leverkusen? I mean, come on, people. He, I rail on this league week after week after week. And and you think people? Yes, BeFica are big. He's been here eight years. Eight years. His national team coach has disrespected and ignored him. He has a chance to go play for Chabi Alonso, and it's nothing against Roger Schmidt. It's a, it's the fact that Chabi Alonso is spanish it's the fact that Chavi alonso if he trusts him shows the the national team coach that he can be trusted i'm gonna make a prediction right here right now that in the september window if not sooner but definitely in the september window he might even uh, are spain in the nation's league final because if they are he might even go to that alejandro grimaldo is going to debut with the Spanish national team, no later than the September window. That's my, and this is, uh, this and a whole lot of money is the reason that this deal is being made. But if he can match that offer, he's going to make over 400,000 euros o- a month. And I can't hate that. I can't hate that. He's at a stage in his career where it's time to get, It's it's time to make that move. If he doesn't do it now, the train's going to pass the station and he's going to stay behind. And as much as I'd love to keep him at Benfica, I think the club also need to move on from him. So, I think honestly, I think everybody wins in this decision. The timing sucks, I get that. But don't get so emotional about it. Don't take it personal. He's not giving you the middle finger. He's not giving the club the middle finger. This was all done with permission and all done within the rules. That's all I got to say on it. I know I don't I'm not going to tell anyone to agree with me, but if you listen to me, it's you listen to hear what I think, not because you want to agree with me. You could disagree with me. It's cool. I totally get it. I respect all opinions, but that's just mine on this. And uh, honestly, my initial reaction was don't let this be affect the team. Don't let this affect your your enjoyment of what this team is about to accomplish, because that's exactly what the detractors want you to, to do. They want this to destabilize this team, and I'm going to tell you something right now. This team hit a low, and they worked their way out. This team is united. This team is together, and this isn't going to shake them. That's it for this week. I'll be back um, after the the, the Derby. I gotta, I'll have a women's episode also um, to recap these last two women's matches and uh, maybe look back at the season as a whole. And uh, whatever else I can have time for. Liga 3 in English is going to have to drop tomorrow. It's already late. It, it, <laughs> i got to be up in about four hours. So um, Liga 3 in English is going to have to wait until tomorrow. But I will have that out. And it will be a recap of last week's first leg of the Liga 3 uh, promotion playoff. And a preview of this Saturday's. So I better get it out tomorrow. Preview of this Saturday's. Uh, Liga 3 final championship match at the Jamur on Saturday. That's it. This is the Mr. Mike Agostinho signing off. Um, I'll see you in the next episode. Have a good one, everybody. Carrega Benfica. Forza Benfica. We're almost there. We are almost there. If you love football, you love Benfica. Damu 38. Give me the 38. Have a great one, everybody. Enjoy the derby this weekend. Carrega Benfica.
1: Já está tudo a pedir Uma nova conquista I Já está tudo a pedir uma nova conquista Quero tudo a cantar, vamos todos mostrar A alma de ser bem fiquista. Com menos sofrimento, repetir o momento Irmos até o fim Voltarmos ao Marquês, festejar a E a subir ganhar de qualquer maneira.